to Champions for NorCal Kids, a podcast designed to highlight the great champions and work for the youngest members of our community in Northern California. Join First Five Shasta Director Wendy Dickens and First Five Tehama Director Heidi Mendenhall as they discuss and highlight topics, resources, and community champions that are focused on children ages zero to five and their families. Topics will cover advocacy, direct services, resources, and support in the rural northern area of California, but often will be applicable to life anywhere. Their goal is to inspire, empower, and cultivate a sense of community filled with hope and connection. Hello, Wendy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I am well. I'm happy to be here to talk about one of our passionate uh, reading for young children. Yes, yes. Who doesn't love to read for one? Well, I mean, I hope everybody loves to read. But, um, <laughs> obviously, we're very passionate about that as first fives are generally supportive of making sure people understand the, you know, importance of reading and the importance of, you know, getting that started early, um, even within the womb. I, um, you know, think it's so important that we talk about literacy because I don't know that everyone does really understand that. So, yeah. you know, when, when you're thinking about reading, um, what is the first thing you think of when, when someone says to you, what about reading? Like what? Yeah. Why? What's, what's my three sentences on it? Um, one, I always start with the, well, if we told you there was one thing you could do for your child that would set them up for a life of success, meaning that they might be more likely to go to college. They might be more likely to actually make more money. They might be more likely to have better success in school as a high school student. Like, wouldn't you want to give that to them? Right? Like we'd all want to. And that, that low hanging fruit, that one thing is reading with your children. So the, the more reading that you do, the more talking that you do early on, it sets them up for a couple of these indicators that we know then lead to a life that might be more what you're hoping for, for your child. So there's lots of contributing factors, but one of the reasons reading is so critical is because it's the time spent together building relationship. So it's not just about those pages in the book, but it's that you're here together doing conversation back and forth centered around this one thing you're both present around and the attachment and the connection that occurs is so critical and contributes to all these other things as well as that wonderful word letter knowledge, right? So that's kind of my go-to. The other thing I talk about is, is the language piece that we, we think of reading as reading in books, but reading for our littles are, are in the womb to our, um, you know, up until really even eight-year-olds, is so much around language and vocabulary. And so if you're not reading from a book, you're not comfortable with that, tell a story, have a conversation about the pictures. And that is as impactful and as powerful and is something that we absolutely should be doing with our, our zero to fives, or even like I said, up through eight. Definitely. I think one of the things that came to mind as you were talking was the fact that the more we can do around stories. And even if you as a parent um, are not someone who is literate yourself or don't feel confident in reading a story specifically word for word, or sometimes uh, like myself, you're tired at the end of the day, but you need to get the story in for the bedtime routine. You are often um, skipping over words. That's okay. Read at your comfort level, make stories up based on the pictures. Um, you know, a lot of ways that we were able to utilize um, stories in the past was to 
passed on generational kinds of information, right? So there's been lots of ways people have done that. So just telling a story about your family or, you know, doing something um, together, sitting together, it really is about those relationships, right? It's about bonding and building a relationship with your child and closing the word gap. Children who are read to have more vocabulary than children who aren't or children who hear stories. Um, often have better vocabulary and more words to grow from than children who don't. And there's a true, you know, um, issue around word gap. There's some research around word gap and how children who are in, you know, more families who speak often to them, not just in conversation around them, but to them, young, um, have better vocabulary and, and grow into the academic setting more easily, right? So you mentioned that a little bit too. Like if you could give your child something to make it easier for them as they're growing through school, wouldn't you want to do that? And one of the things that you can do is help provide language and vocabulary. And you do that through reading or singing or storytelling, right? And, you know, the difference, the word gap piece is so critical. And, and I remember clearly, um, when I had my first daughter, she's about two and a half, I was reading an article and it was giving examples and I was doing it to get prepared to, to develop a training to teach people, right? So it's like, oh, I need an example of what that looks like to really develop true language and conversation. And so the idea was um, talk about the here and the now, what you see and extend it. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 I got that. And literally just about this time I look up and the a dump truck um, kind of pulls up and across my window. And I was like, oh, there's a dump truck. And, and I thought that, right? And then I look back down and the next example on this um, website, which I'll share in a minute was, if you see a dump truck, don't just say, look, there's a dump truck. Say, look, there's a dump truck. And it can lift up and dump everything out of the back and, and it can lower down, right? And I was like, oh my goodness. I don't know that I would have done that naturally, right? Those extra second and third sentences the level of vocabulary, we got descriptive words and you actually got categorical words and even starting to talk about how things work in physical science, right? And so right. I, I, it was so clear to me like that it has to be on the forefront of our mind so often and it's so often for me wasn't. <laughs> Right. And I think, you know, it's just an opportunity too to explore the environment around with your child, because you can also do that by asking questions and then giving them some clarity. So I remember distinctly when I was teaching um, at a preschool, like there was a butterfly that that went by and I said, oh my goodness, what colors are, are on the wings? And then that spurred the further conversation around the butterfly. What does a butterfly do? Um, well, it flies, right? So that's what the child, and then I'd say, yeah. And then it goes from flower to flower so that it can pollinate the fruits that we have, right? So then you can just expand, but that builds the vocabulary like you just said. And sometimes we don't realize um, that having the second and third sentence is really gonna be more powerful than just saying, oh, look at. But even if you just say, oh, look at, that's better than not exploring it at all, right? Absolutely, but, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that language, that conversation really is literacy for our zero to five-year-olds, right? So, you know, giving yourself a little bit of grace around having to have that book in front of you and 
knowing that if what you can do is talk about the dinner table as you're setting it, that's powerful. And to, to do that and go that second and third sentence as you're setting the table is really, really helpful. <laughs> that's a great point. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think people think that literacy um, or pre-reading skills are only if you're reading a book. And that is definitely not true. And that's why, you know, I always mention to people like, you may not know how to read. That's okay. There's no judgment in that. That, that means that something um, in your life prevented that from happening for you. And that is not your fault necessarily. So what I want for people to understand is just what you said, Heidi, like you don't have to be reading a book to help with pre-reading skills or with literacy because you're doing and talking to the child. And that's the big piece. It's making sure you're having the conversation to the child. Having a conversation on the phone to someone else or talking to someone else does not hit the brain the same way as if you're actually having a direct conversation with the child, even if they're not speaking back to you and asking you questions. That's why it's really important to start really early, right? Zero, uh, when they're in the womb. Um, I remember singing to my babies as they were in my womb. I remember reading books too, reading whatever was in front of me because it really didn't matter. They didn't know the story or see the pictures at that point. Um, you know, so, but, you know, making sure that I was really directing my conversation toward the child that was in front of me, whether that be because I was a preschool teacher, you know, a childcare provider, or my own children, really having that kind of, you know, and they'll start marrying back to you and they'll start babbling. And, and I had friends who would be like, my, my oldest daughter, um, she did not have hair until she was probably four. And so she was very small too for her age. And so she would walk around and people would be a little freaked out because they'd be like, oh, she's so small and she's talking in full sentences. But part of the reason she was, she had vocabulary very early and some of her words were pretty large for her age was because I did a lot of speaking to her. And, you know, part of that was not in baby talk. You know, mother ease and baby talk are two different things. And I didn't allow people to yeah. use baby talk with my, with my children because that's a part of helping them learn literacy and developing vocabulary is to have them being spoken to in real language, right? So dig into that, explain the difference a, a little bit. Yeah, well, sure. So, you know, baby talk is when people are lababbing back, oh, you're and they use non-vocabular words, right? They, they're not real words. Um, mother ease is when your voice kind of has a, a, a pitch to it and it rises and falls. And you're like, oh, well, that's mother ease and babies really do respond to that. And it's important to use mother ease, but you're using full words. You're not speaking in a, in a language that no one else understands, including yourself. So, you know, it's really important, you know, that you're, you know, using real words, whatever language that in, right? Because I also really promote teaching your child dual language earlier in their life, um, because that's when our brains are most receptive to learning more than one language. And it actually, there's a lot of research out there that talks about children who are dual language do better academically later on in life. They have better ease in job um, seeking ability. Uh, there's a lot of benefits and advantages to people who have dual languages or multi-language um, as opposed to a, a mono-languaged person. So anyway, that's kind of the difference between, you know, mother ease and baby talk. The and other there is a place for sounds, right? But the baby talk is when you're limiting the vocabulary you're using, right? Mm -hmm. And that is such the big, the big piece. I, I do want to um, expand a little bit around the dual language because that's another 
a common conversation to have is, well, if I, I really want my children to learn to read in English, often, um, you know, in families that might speak more than one language have a high value of wanting their children to become successful in school, which they may associate with reading in English. And to do that, if we want our children to read in English, we have to speak to them in the language that they first heard when they were born. So if that happened to be Spanish, if that happened to be Hmong, if that happened to be Punjabi, when you are expanding the vocabulary of those children in that language that is spoken to them when they were first born, you actually are expanding their ability to learn to read in English later. And so um, that conversation is always so critical because oftentimes it is only the family and the parents and the aunts and the uncles that can give the gift of that home language to their child, which is what can set that child up for success later on. Right. And I'm so sad that, you know, my mom, you know, in, in, um, her, my grandfather came right from Italy and in his attempt to assimilate to the American world around him, he did not choose to teach my mom or her siblings, um, Italian, um, which would have been great, you know, for us. I, I'm really sad that I don't know Italian. Right. Um, you know, I took Spanish, which I guess has some similarity, but not, you know, enough for me to really like, so now I've got to try and figure out how to learn Italian at my um, old age. And that's not as easy for your brain. Um, so I'm really sad that we didn't do that. But I think it's, it is important and, and helping families understand that it is a great way for you to give an advantage to your child um, is so nice because it doesn't cost them anything for, for the child to learn more than one language early on if they already know it themselves, right? So I love that you said that. I think it's just an honoring way of helping people understand that you're actually gonna benefit them and it is actually important for them. So um, I, I am glad you dove a little deeper into that. Well, I was going to say, I know um, if you are, if you're familiar with our podcast, you may have listened to um, when we got to have some librarian representatives on, um, but I wanted to dig in a little bit to some of the resources we talked about then. If you're either getting super excited about getting more language literacy in your lives and you want to look for some resources around, or if you're like, okay, what I don't know where to start, um, there are some great ways. And I, so maybe talk about little free libraries and then just any of anything else we can think of that might be able to support our community and getting excited about this whole language and reading endeavor. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's a few things that when you say that I, I think about, we're hoping through Reach Higher Shasta to build a literacy campaign where people understand like in Kennewick, Washington, that literacy is one of the most important things in any child's life. Um, and obviously first fives definitely feel like this is true, but we want more than just first fives, right? To believe this um, and to know that it's accurate. So, you know, Richard Shasta has done a great job for their cradle to career kinds of initiative to begin to think about how do we build a campaign in our community? And one of the ways we've started is through these little free libraries that you mentioned that we also talked a tiny bit about in our um, podcast with the librarians. And, you know, it was really to promote the ability and ease for children to access books that maybe they couldn't get to the bigger library. Um, maybe they weren't at the, um, you know, school, the more official academic setting to access the school library. So these libraries are set up throughout the community, throughout Shasta County and Tehama County, um, where you can just take a book. You could leave a book. You could take a book and bring that book back and take another book. It's just an, a way to have your community involved in keeping kids 
you know, having a, the access book in a more, you know, easy fashion, right? So instead of, you know, having to wait to go to the library and not being able to get there and, you know, not, you know, having access to the book, this provides that, you know, walking down the street or, you know, driving down the street if you, if it's a little tiny bit too far for a, for a young kid to walk. But it just is, is a good way for uh, the community to stay involved in re reading and literacy and access to books for free. Which actually, that's funny that you said that about it's a little too far to walk. I think I shared, but often if this last year where we have spent much more time at home, if my family needs an outing, we drive to a far away little free library <laughs> and drop off some books and maybe take a few. And sometimes we, you know, they'll look through them and they're like, oh, I don't see any I want. We'll just leave some. Or sometimes they take some. Um, but it is definitely been something that we can do that's positive, focused around reading and literacy and gets us out into our community in a socially distanced and safe way. So um, I highly recommend visiting the little free libraries in our communities. There are little free library lap, uh, maps and we can post links to those. And if you're somebody who wants to give back to the community, you can host a little free library. Right, you can host so, them, you can help build some if you see one in a neighborhood that you, think needs one but doesn't have one nearby you could you could make it happen you could be a person right and it is so true that you know it's one of those if you build it they will come I'm a, I'm a big field of dreams fan often um you know the books just start appearing so I have a couple friends that have them near their house and you know every once in a while they get empty but for the most part people are constantly bringing books and so it's not something that you're really footing the bill for necessarily all year long other than hosting this you know getting it built Right, and then often the community can can reciprocate. Um, so yeah. And Shasta County, we have um, you know the Rotary Club here, Reading Rotary specifically, uh, has been great about helping get them built. We've had other organizations, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, as well. Um, and so there may be some available. You know, you can connect to um, First by Shasta if you're in Shasta County to find out if there are any available for you. If you don't have the resources to build one yourself, um, you know. And then the library here, actually at the children's um, area, they have books available for the Little Free Library as well. If you don't have the ability to kind of stock it initially either, so if you do, or if you run out because you know, like you said, sometimes they do but a lot of times they don't because you have people who really want to promote and support that but if they did the children's section you just call in advance let them know you need books for the little free library and they'll have them ready for you you go in and pick them up or you drive through and pick them up depending on what the situation is in any given moment um, and you know that way you have books available to you so I really love that our community is becoming more involved in helping with literacy I think, you know, the other piece is find out where your libraries are doing story times, find out what other organizations, because Turtle Bay uh, here also has story times, KIXE has story times, and even during um, times where social distancing has been or is required, they have been doing drive throughs so you pick up the book, then they do it online, um, so that, you know, you can your child has the book or you as a care provider can have all the kids sit and watch the you know casting of it on either facebook live or you know youtube and or you know the channel it's going to be on and then they have the book too so i think it's just fun that the community is beginning to become more involved in literacy efforts 
Uh, I would really love to see it be even bigger than that, you know, where, you know, we eventually have the mayor declare, you know, this is, you know, literacy day um, or have a literacy challenge. We've had other types of physical activity challenges, which I think are amazing as well, because we want kids to be active. But I think we also have to recognize that until the community as a whole really gets behind supporting literacy, we're always going to have this kind of lag. And, you know, when, you know, I mentioned earlier in Kennewick, Washington, they, the whole community got involved. There were billboards, there was a commitment by every single business there to promote literacy in some fashion or form for the earliest members of their community, because they understand that the return on investment around making sure you're investing in those particular children at, in the zero to five realm is going to be tenfold you know, for you later on, because we've got to start looking into our future. What's it going to mean 20 years down the road if we don't have the people built the way we need them to be in order for them to be productive in our communities? And, you know, I think sometimes we get short-sighted in our goals and we want to see the here and now. We want to see, you know, instant gratification and we want to see results right then. Um, but that isn't true for human life. We're one of the only mammals that takes so long before we actually exit our families' homes, right? You know, most others, it's two years and they're kicked out. <laughs> we don't. Um, we need kids to be well developed and supported through, you know, a variety of ways. Um, and we know that our brains truly are not fully developed until we're in our 20s, right? You know, um, Anyway, well, and on. you mentioned you mentioned businesses and, and being involved, which is so critical. And, you know, um, some here have gotten involved in Tehama County um, with Little Free Libraries. Others volunteer. Our Rotary does some great work um, and our Kiwanis does some great work in literacy. Right. So there's lots of different pockets. If you are interested in being involved in Tehama County and you want to reach out, I would reach out either to myself at First Five or to our Tehama Reads Council. Um, they meet monthly-ish <laughs> and do many projects and many drives to increase books and literacy throughout the community. And so those are ways if you're just wanting to reach out, understand how you could get involved, that would be great. I also wanted to share about a program that we have going. It's our first five book club in Tehama County. And so any family that has a child zero to five or zero through six can apply to um, join the book club and you get some monthly or bi-monthly emails of local literacy resources, some updates on when virtual readings will take place. Um, eventually in life will be updates on face-to-face um, -face readings. And um, also a couple times a year. So this year in um, 1920, it'll be, or in 2021, it'll be three times that you get a book bag full of goodies and talk read sing materials and books for your child. So one way to just get books in the hands of kids, get excited about reading from the parent's side and get our community involved because we've had lots of local support, lots of local funders coming through saying, well, I wanna buy books for those families. And so it's a way we're raising energy around reading in our community. I love that. You know, we do have a book distribution here and typically the book distribution um, is around, you know, childcare providers, uh, early education settings, the libraries themselves, because we have more than one library system in Shasta County. So sometimes, you know, the library system is different. Um, so we try and support all of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, other organizations that want books, including businesses. So sometimes we're distributing on a regular basis to those areas um, to make sure that they're being 
placed into homes. So parent partner programs often get books from us so that they can take them out. Far Northern Regional Center gets some books from us. And, you know, I think really just making sure that we have the community involved in some of these pieces is so important. And like you said, just, you know, knowing that if they can support that, it's going to be helpful to a child's learning and development. And, you know, I say this um, over and over and I, but it's because I truly believe it, but it takes a village to, to raise a kid, right. And to raise one that's going to be productive for our community in the future. And that means looking at all the different facets that that includes and, you know, making sure you're supporting things like literacy and talk, read, sing, and, you know, knowing that that is going to be a really integral piece in helping a child develop and grow into the productive member of society you want them to be. So. What should we finish with? Our favorite children's book or your favorite memory of reading? What do you want to share? Both, right? Like, right. so my favorite memory of reading, um, I'll, I'll say when I was a child and as an adult, right? So my favorite memory of reading when I was a kid was when my dad would read, and I think I've shared this before, but like when he would read J.R.R. Tolkien's um, The Hobbit, um, and he would read that. And it actually became my favorite as an adult to read to my kids, but I tried to do all the voices and my kids love that. They talk about that still today, but it's because I ran out of voices. And then, um, you know, we had, um, you know, Gandalf sounding like he was a Rastafarian guy. <laughs> that was hilarious. So anyway, but, uh, you know, I, I think reading with my parents, um, mainly my dad was my, who read to me. And then as an adult reading to my kids, um, they really just enjoy it. And, you know, even to this day, they'll sometimes have me read to them and they're older, 14 and, and 20. And, and it's not J.R. Tolkien anymore, but, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about and um, or I'm reading. So I think it's just nice to be lifelong readers, but also to build those memories. And I think you talked about that early on, like the relationship that is built through reading to your child or storytelling to your child is, is um, really a wonderful thing and and it brings to mind some of the customs of other types of um cultures that have come about because of storytelling right and and just the bonding and the you know togetherness and connectivity that you feel so what's yours what's your favorite memory oh, gosh i was going um i was kind of going through a couple when you were saying that i think uh my favorite memory as a child is um is a little bit more storytelling than reading and it was around felt boards. So I have um, a great connection of felt boards. My, I come from a long line of teachers. My uh, Nana, my mom's mom was a preschool teacher um, and she was bilingual. She immigrated here from Guatemala. And so she would tell me stories in English and Spanish and use a felt board because she was a teacher. She had the felt board and she passed away when I was five. And so I had all the felt board stories and I would play with them and they would remind, they smelled like, you know, I had all those memories and those connections. And my favorite story that she had was the turnip. And I don't even know the proper name for it, but like that the mouse and the whole train of people that kind of finally got the turnip out of the ground. I don't know, we'll have to, I'll look up the name, we'll put it in the link, but it's this great story about a turnip getting out of the ground and a whole collaborative effort. Um, so that's my favorite as a child's memory is getting to, be with the felt board with my Nana and then getting to play with that felt board and, and share in that after she was gone. 
And as an adult, my favorite memory is watching my mom read poems to my two children because I realized that I wasn't necessarily doing the, the poem reading and the nursery rhyme reading. I would read other books and watching them learn to repeat, you know, over and over and over again, Baba Black Sheep, Have You Any Wool? And um, Hickory Dickory Dock. These are, and so, you know, early on, they were able to memorize these and repeat them and just getting to see the gift that she was giving them with her patience to read it over and over and over and over again. <laughs> so. Well, I love that. I, you know, I, I totally didn't even think about, you know, and we use the felt boards a lot, hand puppets as well, um, you know, and you know, those are fond memories. I, I just love talking about some of these memories, right? Because they just remind you of why it's so important. Because if you can think about how you felt as a kid when that was happening, um, your kids are equally feeling like that when it's happening for them. And even if you weren't the one who was doing it, like you said, it's, you can have a conversation about it, right? Like, what was in a lie for you? And what did you hear? And what did you see? And what were the sounds that came from that? And I love that. I love that. So what's your favorite, um, book now my favorite child probably what would you do with an idea or the world needs more purple people i've probably been reading the world needs more purple people more in in the last years so in fact and we i think i actually read it on a facebook live recently so if you want to google and look for it on first five to Hema's facebook page you can you can see it and it's it's just it's uplifting and about being a good human and um i can take all of that i can get right now <laughs> Right? I love that. I love that. I just, you know, I've been trying to think about that. It's such a hard thing. I love books. So, you know, there's some that I just, for my girls, I just reread and reread and reread. And, and for, as a kid, you know, I really, you know, it's hard for me to decide. I just, there were so many that I just enjoyed so much. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and I think for me, you know, one of them was, and I think of this and it's so interesting, it's funny that, that it came to my mind, which was the Billy Goats Gruff, um, because I just loved, you know, hearing the different voices that whoever was reading it to me would use. So I just, I, I loved that. And it also has a good, you know, kind of moral to it. So I think, you know, that was one of my favorite stories when I was growing up, you know, aside from my dad reading, you know, The Hobbit to me, which he started when I was very young to read. Um, my dad's a huge avid reader. He has lots and lots of books and some of the books he's read like four or five, six, seven, seven, you know, times. And he's got to get new um, series for that book title because he's read it so many times it started falling apart. So right, and can't, uh, ink's coming off the pages. <laughs> right. And so I think that's also too, is also important too, as a, as a parent to model some of these things. And even if you're not an, a, you know, a parent who loves to read, but you look at magazines or you, you know, um, story tell, just modeling some of that for your kids is going to help them, you know, really value it later on in life and understand why it might be important aside from just sitting in front of the television and watching different things, um, which can also be a value. Uh, it's just not, usually as um, helpful to brain development, knowing that our brains work differently in front of the TV than they do when you're reading uh, print or looking at pictures or playing a game or singing a nursery rhyme together, whatever those look like. It's just different when you're watching a television, even if they're doing some of those things too on the TV, your brain has different brain waves. Um, 
and so development. All about that social connection piece and that attachment. So yep, yeah, yep. gift we give. The gift we give. All right. You know, I think we're, you know, definitely going to be uh, looking at different things that First Fives like to support, you know, and we'll probably, this will not be the last time that we talk about you know, reading, um, because talk, read, sing is one of the things that we very much make sure that we are promoting um, in a lot of different ways for our zero to five, but for the community as a whole, right? Um, so any final thoughts for you, Heidi? No, I just love to hear from folks if there's things they want to hear us talk about with regard to reading and language. I'd love to, you know, have shout outs in the comments or send us emails and let us know because we're happy to bring on local reading champions and experts and, and dive in a bit more. So. Well, there will be more conversation to come. <laughs> yes, yes, more conversation to come. And thank you for this conversation. I've had a lot of fun. I love, obviously we're both passionate about reading. Um, and thank you all for joining us today. Remember to check out the links in the podcast or go to www.first5shasta.org or www.first5tehama.org for additional information, resources, or needs. You can also directly email either of us, Wendy at wdickens at firstfiveshasta.org or Heidi at hmendenhall, M-E-N-D-E-N-H-A-L-L at firstfivetehama.com. We hope you enjoy today's podcast and will join us again. Remember, it only takes one person in a child's life to make the difference in building resiliency. Will you be that person? <laughs>